Hello and happy new year. Welcome to episode 93, Dane, 93 in 2023 of the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast. My name is Deontay Epps, joined by my ace, best man, best friend, my guy, Dane Beasley. Dane, how are you doing? Uh, happy New Year to you, even though I've I've talked to you happy plenty New of times. Year. And hey, question: What's the statute of limitations on saying happen to say Happy New Year? Is that like that last like three weeks, like four weeks? Like, what's the standard? I would happy say New Yearism. Um, for, I would say if if it's your first time like talking to that person in the year. What about so, for you instance, talk to them to like November? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Not because um, you're being like mean or you, you just haven't seen them. Maybe you got caught work. Maybe they're deployed. Yeah, it's, like it's too far at that point. If if you don't talk to them until November, y'all, you, you don't really know them. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing to talk about. What you ain't got nothing to talk about. Um, but I, you know, this is our first time talking to our listeners. So happy New Year, uh, happy holidays to you. Hope your holidays were safe. And um, if you had to travel, like. I did to come back home. Um, hope you got back home safely at whatever time you you did because um, the airlines were kind of crazy. Uh, Dane, I told did I even tell you about my airport fiasco? You told me that there was a, a significant delay of sorts. Um, yeah, I mean, you didn't get into details over the fiasco that you yeah. had. But please share with us. Yeah, share with us. Of course. So. Uh, Karina and I are frequent flyers of the Southwest Airlines. Mm. Mm. Um, we have this companion pass, basically, that allows us to buy two flights for the for the price of one. So, you okay. know, if we can do that, we travel a lot. So it makes sense to um, fly Southwest if it's available. Um, so originally, um, we were scheduled to fly back home to Texas from the 21st to the 26th. Um, and we flew out. Well, we were worried, first of all, because we didn't know if we get out in time because that's like right when the bad weather was hitting up in the northeast. And um, we ended up flying a day before the actual bad weather hit. Okay. Um, so along with the bad weather that was delaying, you know, multiple flights, canceling flights in the like Chicago area, northeast, like our flight flew into Chicago. So that was one of the hubs that. I was worried about but you know holiday travel in general is just bad Please. it's Please. bad so um on top of that you know it basically overwhelmed uh southwest airlines and um they ended up i'm sure everybody knows this by now but they ended up canceling <laughs> um like thousands and thousands of flights so we were scheduled to fly out on the 26th and um, we were literally packing, you know, we had a great time with the family for, you know, four or five days, great time with the family and, um, getting ready to pack up to, uh, our flight back out of Austin. Mm-hmm. And literally, literally as we're walking out of the door, I look at my phone and it says our flight's canceled. And like, that was like, right when the ripple effect of all the Southwest flights and stuff were going on. Um, but thank God we're at my parents' house. So we weren't stuck at an airport like a lot of other people were. So worst thing you know the worst it wasn't bad because i'm at home and i you know i enjoyed a few extra days at home but for the people that were at airports that got stuck you know sucked for them and you know the job that i have people that i work with are very flexible so they allowed me to you know stay home and work from home and stuff until i got back so long story short we got back finally 
had to fly American on the way back out of out of Colleen, so that was great. Didn't have to have my parents drive me too far. But you know, we're back safe and sound and stuff like that. But um, that's usually how it is during airport travel. But it's particularly bad this this kind of you know during this season. Okay. But well, yeah, man. Appreciate, um, appreciate the playback, bro, man. Yeah, yeah. Finally, finally back. Well, been back a few weeks back here in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, but how are you, man? You had some pretty big event that happened over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we had we had a, a baby shower here for a family uh, and some very, 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 very close friends to attend. Um, baby shower for twins, the twin Beasleys. Uh, Joy and Josiah, they'll be here. They'll do this February 17th. Uh, we're just praying that Nisi gets all the way through week 37. So we got just a few more weeks for her to get through week 37. She says they can come anytime after 37. So uh, we had that baby shower. Got to see a lot of family. Got to see uh, some close friends. Um, just just spend a lot of time. Eat a lot of food here at the crib. Uh, so the yeah. unfortunate thing about having the baby shower like at a you know, a little event center like we did during my my firstborn's baby shower was having to pack up all that stuff that we got, all the the lovely and wonderful and helpful gifts that we got from family members and friends, pack them into two cars, drive them to our apartment, our then apartment, and then myself carrying them up two flights of stairs for hours. Like this is me going back and forth hours up a flight of stairs and then putting everything together. But the luxury of having the event hosted here, you know, we. Again, they just literally picked up the gift, put it in the twins' room, sorted it out later. Of course, I had to deal with the cleanup of a whole bunch of trail of dead grass inside the home because all the kids that were coming in and out, finally understanding and fully contextualizing why our parents were so frustrated about us running in and out. Outside of, you know, <laughs> AC being, you know, uh, the, the streets and the nearby, you know, yard being, you know, 70 degrees and stuff like that from the AC unit, but just the, the tracking of the the elements from outside coming inside. So it was cool. We had a really good time. Uh, Langston made some, you know, some good friends, you know, I had some good memories with a lot of, a lot of great people. So it was, it was fun. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then of course that was, that was therapy for me because it gave me an opportunity to get away from my sports sorrows from the previous. <laughs> week. Oh yeah, we'll definitely get into those. Uh, we don't have to talk I, about it. It's okay. I text I texted you during or I think I texted you after. You sent me pictures after. Uh yeah. but you were just texting me about, you know, you had mentioned about, you know, when our parents were just like, you know, y'all y'all either gonna stay in or out the house. You ain't gonna keep running back and forth to my <laughs> door. And then you said about the grass getting tracked in the house and I sent yeah. you the, the Stanley meme from <laughs> <laughs> But that's how we were, man. Myself and Demarick and my homies Michael and my uncle Adi, we just out there on the back porch watching the kids, uh, all, all them kids play, and then just them running back and forth. It's like, hey, y'all playing too close up here. Go on out there. It's like literally the same stuff we're hearing these kids. Like, yeah, it what? makes you. Yeah. You're saying? And then, like, like Demarco, who doesn't have kids, he's like, hey, y'all be careful. You know, stay away from because they were nearing the little pillar that holds up the edge of your house. They were nearing it. And they're like, hey, y'all, you know, play over there. Y'all got all that field to play on over there. I was like, man. This sounds like the same exact stuff our parents used to tell us. Like we yeah. get too close to playing. So it's just that coming full circle is like like we we we're there, bro. Like as humans, we have got to that age or that space in our lives where it's like, huh, that is some nice furniture. You know what? Let's you know, let's let's go look at this furniture, or that's a nice rug, or I wonder 
what kind of mileage that car gets? You know, just stuff like that. I never thought myself being so fascinated with like, that's where I'm at now. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Washed. Yep. Washed. Washed. You know, I, I, I was a teacher for five years. So it, I mean, obviously it's different being in that mode in that setting, but like I find myself like when I was home with my nephew and my, my niece and all that. And they were like, the teacher look, not just that, bro. There was a point during the visit uh, we're all at my mom's house Mm -hmm. and my dad, uh, my mom was out in the back patio. My dad was like either watching TV or in the kitchen. And like all the kids were like running around in the house playing tag. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, y'all, y'all ain't supposed to be playing. I know y'all ain't supposed to be, you know, I know y'all ain't supposed to be running around in this house, right? I said, ain't that right, Dad? He like, yep. <laughs> but, you know, they older now, so they ain't really, like, about the yelling and all that. They, they you know, they more the, calm. The parents then went soft. Yeah, all, the, yeah, they, all of our elders have gone soft and being easy on the current. It's like, man, y'all, right. y'all ain't show, you know what I'm saying? Y'all matched the energy when we was like, man. Yeah. And so it was like me, like kind of similar to what you're talking about, just in that mode, like, hey man, y'all, y'all doing all this running, <laughs> throwing the ball in the house. I'm like, what are we it's doing? The, uh, what's the? Is it progressive? Is it the progressive commercial where the dude is like having a, like little seminar trying to show those those people not to be like their parents and stuff like that? Maybe I, I, know, I kinda know what you're talking about. Okay, it, I think it might have been progressive. I forget. I apologize, progressive. Uh, I need to come yeah. down on those rates for my for my premium too because it's, it's <laughs> right now. That's yeah, the right. Of um, but yeah, man, glad glad to hear that the shower went well. Um, glad to be back podding with you for sure. Um, sure. I think it's best that you know we start this pod um, by talking about Demar Hamlin. Obviously, yeah. if you're listening to this pod um, by now, you know Demar Hamlin, the Demar Hamlin situation that happened during the uh, Bills Bengals uh, Monday Night game a few weeks ago where he had made a play on wide receiver T Higgins, um, took a tough blow to the chest, ended up going in cardiac arrest. It was very scary moment. Um, had to be resuscitated. Um, and he was just released, you know, obviously the good news today, he was just released, um, from a Buffalo hospital after transferring from Cincinnati. Um, but all around, um, during that time, it was very scary, obviously, for the players. You can see the emotion on the field from the coaches, from the fans. Um, and I wanted to take the time to, you know, we'll get into the uh, the other discussion about this. But first, I just wanted to say, like, thankful um, and grateful for, you know, his recovery thus far. And it seems like he's on the men to um, be close to 100%. I haven't followed it tremendously as far as, you know, not even talking about him being on the field, but living a normal life. Um, So it seems like he's on that path. So very grateful and thankful for that because that was obviously, you know, obviously for me, and I won't speak for you, Dane, one of the scariest moments I've ever seen, not even on sports, but just in life. And I wasn't even there obviously, but it's very scary to see, happy to see that he is uh, back. Um, you know, out of the hospital and with his family, out of, you know, the doctor's care and stuff like that. But uh, I kind of wanted to ask you, bro, what was, were you watching the game live? What were your emotions about the game? We kind of saved this talk for the pod. We haven't really discussed it, you and I, um, since it happened, besides, you know, all the stuff around it. But what what were your first thoughts when when you seen that? 
so we were watching we were watching this unfold or I was watching it unfold on my iPad in the living room and then the wife and I decided to go watch the game in the bedroom because the TV if we want to you know hear gotta turn the TV up a little bit loud because we don't have one of those sound bars yet right we didn't want to wake up the kid you know God knows and you put a kid down and you, the, the idea is to have freedom for, for the rest of the night so we're going to go into the room and finish watching it and I tell you I was watching the game on my iPad I turned off my iPad because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want the same channel streaming at the same time on TV and the, the timing messed off. I turned off my iPad. We walked 15 steps to go into the bedroom. I sat on the bed, turned on the TV, had some small talk and flipped on. And it was just, you know, it was on commercial. So when it came back from commercial, you know, the fellas, Joe Buck and them, they're just paying it to them and they're talking. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm I want to hear about what Joe Buck had to say. Yeah, you were still you were still lost at that point. Yeah, I was like, because it, you know it literally, happened. I think there's a the kick the kickoff was maybe a few moments before I cut my iPad off. So when I came back, when I had the the, the, the game on the actual TV, everybody's huddled around. I didn't know. I thought it was just like a timeout, like a water break timeout, but it was an injury, and of course they didn't show the replay. But I was like, man, what's going on with the game? So I hop on Twitter and I was like, oh, oh. So when he got hit. I'm thinking it was T. Higgins that got hurt, right? Yeah. Because, you know, DeMar gets up and then it's like he's celebrating and then he just, you know, passes out. I'm like, whoa. So we're, you know, my wife is, we're sitting there getting emotional, you know, because we're seeing, we've seen injuries before, but we've never seen anything like that where, you know, there's a few people, you know, with, you know, teary eyes and praying going on, but never, I've never, we've never seen anything like this. We're, you know, we us too. We were getting emotional. We had no idea. We didn't even watch it go down. We literally missed the play. We're going back to the room, but yeah. it was a very surreal moment, but we're very, very, very glad that everyone was was so unified and linked for even if it was just a moment, even if it was just a few days, everyone seemed to be on the same team, you know? So it was good to see the community support and the rallying and just the thoughtfulness of everybody and uh, just remembering that this the, the football itself is just an avenue for us to get a little bit closer. But what threw me off guard the most is my grandma texts me, and she's not a really big texture. And even when she does text, it's incoherent. The emojis in the places it shouldn't be. Sentence structures all off just because, for whatever reason, I don't know why old people don't. Sorry if I'm, you know, being ages here. I'm, I'm really not trying to. Sometimes old people, when they text you, it's like 10 different paragraphs or 10 different sentences, no punctuation. So I was like, I got a text message from her. I was like, oh. I was like, dang, what she know about the whole DeMar and situation? So I'm like, it, the whole entire mm-hmm. injury, no. the impact of the injury itself. Transcended. It, it's, it's, yeah. Exactly. It transcends yeah. generations. Nationwide, worldwide news, obviously, right. him, you know, becoming the face of, you know, like you mentioned, like the unity part of it, like everyone coming together, praying, you know, giving their love and thoughts to him and his family yeah. and, um, that was something like, I mean, NFL wise this year, we've seen obviously nothing like that, but um, the Tua concussion that happened in Cincinnati where, you know, his arms and fingers were not his arms, excuse me, his fingers were, you know, I'm not sure the proper terminology, but they were, there weren't configured the way, you know, fingers are are meant to, um, which actually happened on that same field. So right. it's kind of a severe moment, but obviously with him not having a pulse, him not breathing and them having to do CPR and all those things and him being rushed. And the one thing that 
definitely, you know, the moment obviously was heavy, but you know, for the NFL, for them to stop the game, which we'll get into why they did, because, you know, it seems like they were forced to do that and rightfully so by the players, the coaches, after, you know, what they had said after they got him off the field, they said they gave him five minutes to warm up, which is insane. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. There's no way they, like, you know, there's no way they could have gone on and played and pushed. Like, even, I, I, I don't even think Dane, like, they got the good news about him. You know, he he had posted on Twitter, like, right before kickoff of the, the next Sunday, you know, for the game that, you know, go Bills or whatever he had said, but uh, he had FaceTime the team, I believe. Yeah. Um, maybe that day before, two days before. I don't think they would have been able to focus on that had they not had um, that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, obviously a tough situation. Uh, happy that he is doing well on the mend. Um, not even going to get into him, whatever future may hold in his professional career, Dane, but. We, you and I have talked about, you know, on our previous episodes about the NFL and their the NFLPA and how they treat the players. We talked Ooh. about the turf. We talked about concussions. We've talked about how and you know the, the ongoing battle, so to speak, between the NFL and the and the players. And this situation shed light on how the NFL, uh, I won't say treats the players, but the contracts that aren't guaranteed for players that go on IR, uh, contracts for, or excuse me, uh, the financial parts, so to speak, of players post-NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people didn't know that the uh, players that are placed on IR, Dane, don't have fully you know, guaranteed contracts, but the bills went ahead and worked out an agreement with DeMar Hamlin for his four year, $3.64 million contract um, to make it guaranteed. Basically he's going to get paid that regardless Um, and salute to the bills for doing that. But however, however, (laughs) however, I'm about to, I'm about to give you the oop right here. Oh yeah. Um, Do you think, this will change anything that we've talked about previously with how, or should I say the DeMar Hamlin situation, do you think this mm-hmm. particular situation would change how the NFL deals with its players, or do you think the NFL PA will push more towards what we've been talking about, about taking care of its players post, you know, post-playing? Yes and no. And I say that very quickly because, one, CBA negotiations, they won't happen again for another few years, right? Two, the opportunity and the chances, the NFL stands for not for long leagues, right? So the average career is, you know, for an NFL guy is anywhere between two to three years or something like that, something really small. So let's just say, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but let's just say hypothetically, the next CBA negotiation start in three years. What are the chances that they're, that there are guys in the league right now on average that are still in the league three years from now to begin negotiating the terms for guaranteed contracts, for uh, 
field textures like grass versus turf mm-hmm. and plenty of a, a plethora of other I- items that need to be bartered and bargained and, and agreed upon. What are the chances that this is going to be at the forefront of that? Because this, again, as big of an event this was and as much inspiration that followed and beautiful, happy stories and columns that were written because of it, how much of this is going to encourage those, what, 500 or so players that decided they didn't want to vote on the CBA this most recent time to go ahead and do the right thing this time? And again, we can't, and I say we very lightly, we can't sit here and say as fans that, you know, that this is the players need to guarantee contracts when we can say tangibly some some of them didn't want that themselves because otherwise some of this stuff would have been they would have made they would have had to make some very difficult decisions. And some guys can afford to make those decisions, some guys can't. But the whole point is you band together, you strike if you need to, so that the betterment of this particular sport and the legacy of this sport and the legacy of the generation is protected. And you're not bartering away and your arm is being twisted behind your back by frivolous things or you're not bargaining for frivolous things. The things that matter, the things like the Bills guaranteeing this man's contract, the what, four, $4 million, it's, it's pretty much nothing to most of these owners. That is a footnote if the contracts are guaranteed during our most recent you know, CBA negotiations. Yeah. I hope that things will change. I hope that there is a fire that's lit between some of our, our, you know, our vocal leaders of the NFL and NFLPA. But I think it's just be more or less the same, unfortunately. And that's me being very optimistic. Yeah. Very optimistic. And I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong. For the sake of this, I really hope that I'm yeah. wrong. Same. I think to to your point, I think it's, you know, the head of the NFLPA. Um, they they have to have more vocal support. I mean, I know we we see it from the players like through mm-hmm. Twitter and social media, and I don't know how much like what they do in the off season, but I think there needs to be like the play, people the players that are in the league right now. Mm-hmm. They need to get together and kind of push the agenda more. I'm not sure when the the next. Uh, bargaining agreement is up. I know they just signed one in 2020 uh, and you can fact check me. I think they signed a 10 year one in 2020. Uh, But I just think it needs to be more of like, you could say, you know, you could talk about it all day, but the action part of it needs to be essentially the forefront and the drive point. What'd you say? What'd you find? 2030? Good God. I think it's 2030. Yeah, because I, I, I saw, I think I saw that said it signed it in 2020 for a 10 year deal. But and then, like, as you compare it to like his contract of being like 4.63 million, which is nothing to these owners, nothing. and you flip around and see all these like TV deals, Amazon, you know, the four letters, the ESPN thing, the Fox Billions. deals, the, uh, you know, YouTube just signed for, uh, or Google just took over Sunday ticket for next year, billion dollar deals, right? And you just think of these situations right there where the players need to be taken care of better. Yeah. They and need a bigger cut of that TV, they need a bigger cut of that TV revenue. They need an increase in minimum salaries, and of course, we already talked about it, but the guaranteed contracts—that's the bare minimum. They can all the other stuff that they can barter and give away, like 
stuff that's meaningless. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the jerseys and stuff like that, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How much yeah. time do you have? Because <laughs> we could talk about we, we could talk about this for a long time, we, but we really could. And I hope I don't even know like if they can like during this deal, like can they not like we know the deal is through twenty thirty. And I don't even know right. if you can answer this, Dane, but I'm like, can they like negotiate while the deal is still in place? Like Hell yeah, they can. You know how they can you know how they can? How? Not be so, not be so ready to fold. It, I mean, it all starts with a strike. If you have game after game after game getting postponed, people are going to want to know why these games are being postponed. And if they're they're on a unified front and they're not uh, vulnerable to the, you know, banana in the I, tailpipe trick by I, the owners, dividing pockets. Or the guys that say I gotta get mine. Yeah, that's, like, that's gonna be hard. I, hey, I don't if they want to, if they want to make sure that the seat, if if they want to make sure anything changes sooner than later, sooner than 2030, when some of these guys that are in the league right now will be on the brink of retirement, whether that's on their own terms or the league's terms, something's got to give. We've seen most almost all the other major professional sports band together and tough it out. Hell, we've in our own lifetime we've seen the NBA do it. We've really seen the NBA do it, and the NBA is much better because of it. The countless times that the major league has done it, and they're better because of it. Is it difficult? Hell yeah, hell yeah. I, I if I was in those shoes, it would be a difficult decision to make. But guess what? It's it's not so much about now as it is the next generation of NFL. It's like some of these four and five star high school athletes right now that are you know teetering the line and committing some of these bigger universities, even small universities, this affects them more than, more than we know it. Yeah. More than, because the quality of the quality of the game is only going to get better. Right. They keep falling for the banana and the tailpipe. And the, the, the money that the owners are going to get, are going to continue to, to grow. Like, so it'll be interesting to see like, you know, post this incident that happened, like what, kind of push the NFLPA has for, for players, right? Because the turf, to, to go back to the turf grass thing, that's, that's been a conversation for years, and we've seen a ton of ACL and Achilles-like injuries on turf services. The players have voiced how much they hate it, but besides voicing it on Twitter, like, you know, the action, action of... Yeah, that's, that's, that's the big part, you know? Um... But to, to close to close this part out, Dane, you had mentioned about the, the people coming together, right, for Demar mm-hmm. Hamlin, and uh, he had the toy drive. Did you see the toy drive that he had? I see it. So before, before, yeah, before the uh, th- thing that happened on Monday Night Football, his toy drive was like at twelve thousand, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and in just a matter of days, it went up to like. Two million, three million. And I think now. Well, I checked it a few days ago. It's like eight point five million. It was eight the last time I checked. Oh like, yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Um, but I was listening to Bomani Jones' pod from Monday, and he was like, you know how Bomani is. He always makes you think, like, yeah, you're all right about that. He's like, man, why does something like near tragic always have to happen for, you know, people to donate? to this guy. I wonder if it was just because they didn't know him and they, like, 
you know, his this incident obviously brought him to the forefront around the, the mm-hmm. world, obviously. So that has a factor to it, but it's like I'll tell you it's why. like that catch twenty two, like I'll dang, why, why does <laughs> go ahead. It's bad. Part of it is bad and part of it is good. It's part of it is this right here, D. Hey y'all, look at me. I'm you know mm-hmm. giving this homeless person five dollars, man. Hey, God bless you, bro. Stay up, man. It's that crap. It's yeah. people doing it because somebody else is watching what they're doing. Some of not all of it, not all of it, but clearly when you have uh when you have these different crowdfunding so, uh, websites, you can donate anonymously and you can yeah. also donate, put your big banner and say, Hey yo, it's your boy Dane. I donated two dollars and fifteen cents. Come holler. Yeah. Like it's there for a reason because it, it makes Look. us feel good that we can flaunt that we did something. My shit. <laughs> exactly. So part of, part of that is part of that is that, and this is just this is all Dame B right here. This is nothing with anybody. Right. This is my theory. What Ten I've four. seen my own eyes. You go on that any any of these type of pages, you can see yeah. the different people that have donated, and you know people will post, "Hey man, I don't really know this cat. I'm actually you know I'm actually a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, but I felt the need to donate my whole entire check. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I ain't even gonna need to be able to eat tomorrow, but I'm donating the whole check." Yeah. Just for this, like, you gonna do this to impress a whole bunch of strangers on the internet that you don't know? The other part of that is this: it's sensational, Deontay. This makes this takes an average journalist, for lack of a better word, this takes an average journalist, and they write something so fantastic about how this brings everybody together, regardless of their race, regardless of their gender, regardless of their their religion. It brings us all together because for one. One single night, everything was bigger than football. It takes that one average journalist and prepares, propel, ooh, let me get my words right, propels their career into something that they never would have imagined because of this tragic event. It so, my timelines were flooded with so many different articles. And I first started reading some, I was like, man, this is some pretty good stuff. I'm like, wait, I'm falling for the banana in the tailpipe. This is exactly <laughs> like, this is it. This was again the opportunity of a lifetime for someone to, for a lot of people to pull at the heartstrings of these tears and in these moments because of for this one moment, which seemed like it lasted a lifetime, everybody was like this. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's some other good conspiracy theories. I'm curious to hear what y'all think about it too. But those are just that's just me. That's just me. Right. I'm just saying. That's the 10 for a do rag right there. Yeah, facts. 10 for a do rag. You're right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so to to close it out, just happy, happy for it for Damar that he's he's back, his loved ones, you know, back in back home with them and recovering well and recovering nicely, man. So um uh Dane, we are in the playoffs in the NFL. Um not we. Uh, there's several oh. teams, not including the Broncos. You got your oh Broncos my God. Yeah, y'all were mathematically fire, eliminated bro. a few months ago. Anywho, back to what you were saying. Uh, don't, worry about, don't worry, I'm about to chop up them Cowboys too. So all the yeah. Cowboys fans that are listening, don't, don't get all too, don't get too excited and happy. You know, oh, yeah, he's talking about No, we, we got some, we got another to go out for y'all too. Speaking about myself in the third person as well. So let's go. We we yeah we we are in the playoffs. We you know like a collectively the NFL Dane. Um, we we with the uh, <laughs> we the Chiefs we? as the uh, number one seed in the AFC. 
followed by the Bills, Bengals, Jags, Chargers, Ravens, and Dolphins. And I should have pulled up the uh, the weaker. We don't have to bring up the weaker conference. No, I should, I should have said I should have just pulled up the the dang playoff games like a dummy. All right, so we got on Saturday, mm-hmm. seven seed Seahawks and NFC take it on the Niners. Hmm. We have game. the New York Giants on Sunday, six seed taking on the Vikings, and your hmm. Dallas Cowboys Dane on Monday night taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rematch of Week One. Uh, and then the AFC number seven Miami Dolphins without Tua probably going to start Teddy Bridgewater maybe um, hmm. going against Buffalo uh, on Sunday Ravens will Lamar Jackson be there we'll talk about that going against the Bengals and then hmm. Chargers Jags um, first question Dane your boys your Cowboys had a chance to had a chance going into last Sunday to try to compete for that one seed, try to snag it from the Eagles. But the Eagles won, obviously, but yeah, they needed some help. It's the Commanders. Um, and I talked to my dad before the game. No, no lie. She's talking to Panthers fans about Cowboys situations. <laughs> hey, he's repping. He's repping the boys, man. You gotta uh, let him yes. back in. The, gotta let him uh, back yes. in. They let anybody <laughs> back on the bandwagon, I suppose. <laughs> I was like, bro, y'all gonna lose to the Commanders. That's what I told him. And he's like, man, you're probably right. And lo and behold, <laughs> you know, we've seen it a lot, you know, throughout the season, playing down to the competition, being inconsistent. Oh, damn, uh, quarterback play, suspect secondary. I'm going to just let what you take quarterback it. play? Huh? <laughs> oh, what, quarter- what quarterback play? I ain't seen no quarterback play. I mean, I saw a dude that was taking snaps, but I ain't seen no quarterback play. Anywho, I'm going to go ahead and ask you a little question. Deontay? This was the perfect among perfect situations to win one of those Super Bowls that had the, the asterisk next to it. Well, look who y'all had to run through during the NFC. Y'all had to go through the 152-year-old Tom Brady. You had to go through a seventh-round draft pick-led 49ers <laughs> team. Well, I guess the Seahawks are decent. You had to go through... The Giants, I mean, they haven't really done anything. You had to go through the Eagles, who, you know, their quarterback's coming off a, a very, very serious injury. Right. Or you had to go through – who else am I missing? I'm missing somebody. Anyways, a bunch of there's a bunch of scenarios that you could have gone to. Basically, all I'm saying is this is the perfect opportunity to make a deep playoff run. Cowboy fans, I am one of you. You are one of me. Listen and hear me loud. Hear me good, too. We might get bounced after that. We if we don't get bounced in the wild card round, we're definitely getting bounced in the divisional round. And I will tell you exactly why. The way that these gentlemen came out in a potentially must-win situation versus the commanders was pathetic. Every single player not named CD Lamb should have been disgusted with themselves and the way that they handled them or the way that they got handled on that field. And again. The game, the game was proved to be meaningless and meaningful at the same, the same breath. I'll explain. Of course, we needed the Eagles to lose, and we also needed the 49ers to lose in order for us to make some shake with that number one seed. That did not happen. But with those games taking place at the same time, mm-hmm. the ownership was on 
22 players wearing cowboy uniforms and they traveled across the world or not across the world they traveled across the united states and got their behinds whooped now deontay normally I, I i can be a very reasonable rational rational a reasonable and rational person and fan but in this time i'm going in Dak prescott Son, you've played, you've been playing football. I don't know if you've been playing quarterback for decent or average the last five weeks. It's it's tired. People are, quite frankly, people are annoyed. I understand that there are a lot of limitations that, you know, prevent you from being the best version of yourself on the offense, offensive side of the ball, whether it's scheming, whether it's player personnel, whether it's play calling, however, at the end of the day, you're the $40 million man, and it all starts with you. And you going out there playing like boo-boo juice, the rest of the team will follow. I have no idea why or what is going to compel these teams to continue reaching out to ask for permission from the Cowboys to interview Kellen Moore. But thank you. Get that <laughs> man the hell up out of this team. Get him far away from the offense so he can go ruin somebody else's team. The little experiment with this fraud boy genius is over. Like I'm officially done with it. I'm I'm done with it. So, do you see Dallas in the off season trying to look for the next guy, or do you think Jerry no. is just stuck? Jerry's gonna get it. Right. Jerry's gonna do what Jerry does. He he gonna find somebody. He's either gonna his a number of mess a number of ways he can mess this up. Try to promote somebody within, which is not a good idea. We've had the three most recent offensive play callers, whether it be Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan, or Kellen Moore, running the same kind of plays, third and long. Everybody's running a 12-yard curl route. First down, we're running into a brick wall of 11 defenders. Second down, we have an amazing play, but oh, wait, penalty. Replay the first, or replay the second down. It's just they, we need new blood in the offensive play calling. Whether that's McCarthy taking over play call. Oh no, 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 no. No, we need we need new blood. I mean, we need to put we need to pick pull somebody that has a proven track record of improving quarterback play, of modern day scheming up your best players to to have an impact. Or just somebody that simply is not associated in any way, shape, or form with anybody that has a Dallas Cowboy tie in the last five years. Somebody that has nothing to do with the organization and needs new blood. Yeah. He's we've seen this story time and time again. It's a few things that Jerry Jones will not do. He will not do that. He will not invest in a, a quality defensive tackle. And he will never, 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 never. Come by here. <laughs> Come by here. Okay. Oh, he would never, 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 never. The third thing, never, 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 never find somebody that's more than capable of doing his job because he's not, he, he hasn't cut it. That's it. That's yeah. if they just fix that, they might be okay. But you can't have horrible quarterback play and horrible offensive play calling and horrible player development and horrible player personnel. It's, it's one of those things has to be good. And it's right. And a defense that you guys were like probably the strength, at least getting to the quarterback, it hasn't really been there the last few games. You know why? And you kinda, you know why? When you, 
Let me tell you why. Them boys are defeated. They are defeated. You got a quarterback that's out you, there. You, you think they just lost all confidence on the offense? I think they lost the gas because they started out. They started out between week one and week eight ish, nine ish. Them boys was on something. And as of recently, I say like the at least the last five or six weeks, it's been dud after dud after dud. I, I I noticed like how you guys, you know, the the pressure hasn't been getting there. And then mm-hmm. that made me think about how the secondary's been giving up all these plays and whatnot. And I was talking to my dad and I was like, Dad, I can't name two players in the Cowboys secondary outside of Diggs and uh what hooker he he's still y'all starting safety yeah he's a, he's he's probably the best probably one of the best safety tandems in, or not tandem but safety trios on the league with Malik Hooker uh Donovan Wilson and right. uh, J Ron Curse right and like obviously i mean i got i watch on the red zone channel so the mm-hmm. cowboys will pop up every now and then but now that i live out in you Connecticut you're not on the red zone that often not the last five weeks of <laughs> but I, 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 I said that because you know, living out here, I get mm-hmm. Giants games and Patriots games. Oh, so, you know, you don't get that local Cowboys yeah. connection. So, I like this, when I was home, it was like my first time watching Dallas. Yeah, like, like, this is what you've been subjecting yourself to? My and goodness. I told my dad, I was like, hey, man, I don't, I don't know this. You know, I don't know any of these guys on the defense, you know, in the back seven, you know. Yeah, man. Um, so, Boy's been getting cooked. We lost, we lost two starting corners, our nickel and our yeah. – Opposite corner of Trevon Diggs to season-ending injuries, and we had a rookie step up. He's got five picks on the season. He's yeah. the real deal. But again, that's Who's luck. Who's the rookie? He's a fifth. Uh, Deron Bland. Okay. He's a fifth round. A fifth round pick. There's no way that you knew this guy was going to be good. Otherwise, you would have picked him in the first, second, or third round. No way. Mm-hmm. The 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 Cowboys are hanging by a thread when it comes to offseason acquisitions. And I say offseason acquisitions, I mean the draft. They are phenomenal. Nine out of ten best evaluators of talent in the league, but they don't supplement it by going after the big fish in free agency. Yeah. And that will supplement players getting decimated by injuries. Right. Players not living up to their potential or you know, anything like that. But they don't do that, which is why we, you know, we yeah. We're we're gonna talk about the Cowboys Bucks playoff matchup in a second. We don't have but- to. <laughs> no, not I, much to say there. I was sitting here just <laughs> looking Dane, at the, mm-hmm. the the teams in the playoffs, right? So it's trash on the NFC side, bro. Well, just in general, I'm looking at like the whole you know landscape of the playoff teams, uh-huh. and I see some flaws in like a lot of these. I mean, every team has flaws, but like for me, like if I'm gonna predict like two teams in the Super Bowl right now, we'll get into that. I'm like mm-hmm. looking at these playoff teams and like, dang, everybody, almost everyone that I can see has like a weakness. Like mm-hmm. I see Buffalo, I, like Buffalo's a strong pick, obviously. You know, they're going off the momentum, you know, everything that's going on with that team. They're one-dimensional. They ain't going to run off this. Yeah, and <laughs> I watched them play a couple of times, and you see Josh Allen make, you know, Weird throws and decisions. You lost Von Miller on the defensive side, so they're they haven't really been getting to the quarterback as well as they were before he got injured. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at uh, the Bengals um, on the offensive side of the ball. It seems like Joe and Jamar Chase and that offense is clicking, but on the defensive side, um, 
still got some question marks there whether they can hold their mm-hmm. end up. The Jaguars, you know, they won the AFC South at nine and eight. So how good are they really? Hey, I the ain't Chargers, gonna sleep on them. The Char- I mean, and I, Jags- I'm just like I'm just like picking like if I'm. Nitty- oh yeah, you you, you trying to? I got you. My bad. My bad. My yeah. bad. G. Yeah, you know, beat, my bad. Um, the Chargers. You got their coach that the wants to um, lose the game for them. It seems like with the decision he made. <laughs> Baltimore. You got. If Lamar Jackson is gonna play, like Tua obviously is going for Miami. Like that's just like all almost all the AFC teams. And then you got the Chiefs there. That's is to me without blemish. To me, it's setting. Oh. I, I won't say it's a clean like easy road for Kansas City. But if I'm if I'm Casey, you got the one seed based on you know whatever happened in the Bills Bengals game. Mm-hmm. But we know that the AFC championship game is going to be um, on a neutral way. site. But yeah. just, you know, having that bye, you're kind of set in a good position to not run the table. But, like, there's flaws with all these teams. I can't really think of a flaw with KC off the top of my head uh, because it seems like Pat Mahomes is kind not to say he's back. Because when, when Denver played Pat Mahomes, they kind of – Held him in check for for most of the part, but on the AFC side, to me, it seems like it sets up well for KC. Now that's not my prediction just yet, and we'll get to that. Okay. Um, but on the NFC side, I kind of see like I can nitpick at almost all these teams here. What do you What do you see on both sides, and you know, what were your thoughts on the teams and how it could shake out? So I'll start with the NFC side since that's where you know that's my team hails from. And I might have touched on it a little bit. Yeah, I might have touched on it a little bit. San Francisco, the strength of their coaching and their direction. They is have really play. good. They have really good coaching. Yeah, they well, have two. Ooh, they have two head coaches on that roster. Losing have, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're right. doing even better with Brock Purdy, right? Brock right, Purdy's five and zero, right? That's crazy. Right. Which makes you kind of scratch your head. Defense, like, it's defense. like makes you scratch your head. Like, wait. This system, and maybe they just didn't know the system was going to work as good as it did, but this system is thriving with a seventh-round quarterback, but you gave this fat contract to Jimmy G. And traded, and picks traded multiple yeah. picks for Lance. And you, can like, say, you can say it's a bad trade. Yeah. Good-ass player. The The ceiling that he has is great, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's a situation the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. But anyways... That the flaw on that team is we don't know what that quarterback is going to look like playing from behind. Now, again, they're not going against a lot of firepower with the Seattle Seahawks, so they might have to worry about that until, I mean, if they get there, the mm-hmm. divisional or, or conference championship, they don't have to worry about it then. But we haven't seen them have to play from behind. But again, he's doing the quarterback's doing all the right things to keep them in the game. He's not losing anything. Seahawks, again it's kind of difficult to find a flaw because they're led by some really, 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 really efficient uh, offensive play calling. So I'd say, I'd say the defense, the sole responsibility to keep people or keep their team in the game is going to fall on, fall at the hands of the defense going to let's see the giants in Minnesota. Again, in my opinion, coach of the year, they ball like he's prepared them. He's turned that team around. 
Now, they might not get the results that they need in the wild card game, but if I'm thinking of a, a weakness, I'd say it goes back to their defense. I mean, well, it could be Danny Dimes. You could place it on Danny Dimes, or you could put it on the defense. I don't know. You, you take your pick with that one. The Vikings? Sorry, Kirk, but... <laughs> to see your way out. Yeah, you you better. I mean, I mean they're not gonna get rid of him, but they, they're not. But you better, you better hope, you better hope that the rest of your team shows up. And how the Vikings are? Thir- I know they they play well and they have Justin Jefferson, but I will say this again: even after all of those great performances that Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins has had this season, he's had a great season. Mm-hmm. Eh. But I don't trust him. Me neither. And you see a lot of the time, like. What game they just they lost to y'all forty to three and then yeah, who they got beat by like by thirty again somebody recently um, very recent I'm gonna have to look that up uh, uh it's probably like week seventeen uh, Vikings it's not even showing the score on my end because I'm not I'm on the NFL app. Or website. Uh, ah, there we go. Green Bay. Green Bay whooped their ass 41 17. <laughs> and we know what Green Bay is right now on the couch like me and you. So. Facts. Um, hey, shout out to the Lions one time, bro. Oh. Or no, shout out to Jared Goff. The last, like, what, nine, eight weeks? Dude was balling. Like, they got something there, bro. They, they, I, and this is coming from somebody who always thought I've always thought like Jared Goff was a joke, but last buddy, episode, he, I said it, yeah, I, said, yeah, I like the Lions, yeah, I, yeah, said and I, I downplayed, I was like, eh. yeah, but you, 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 you're right, I was rooting so hard for the Rams to beat the Seahawks, but it's like that, we, it's what I said last episode, it's, it's Detroit, man, they're gonna find a way, they're gonna find a way to mess it up, it's, it's, yeah. Well, they, they I mean, oh yeah, you saying it it wasn't gonna work out for them in nah, the end. Yeah, no, nah. and it wasn't because of anything in Jared Goff is just it's just the nature of the way that they did your boy uh Barry Sanders and Megatron, like that was just karma or whatever you want to call it coming back and biting them in the ass. Yeah. So again, maybe I think they'll make something shake next year, but it the league better be careful because they are almost there and they're gonna get a pretty favorable schedule in terms of uh, strength of schedule for next year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, back to back to the, back to the NFC the line. Six, My bad. The sixth pick in the draft this year coming up too. Yeah. So, so they, and they the holes that they they don't have that many like in terms of depth or just people or value or best player available. Like they got options, man. And I certainly don't think it's going to be quarterback they're going to be drafting. I. Yeah, not in round one. I think mm-hmm. the golf has been playing. I think they trust him. Yeah, um, enough to like on the offensive side, they got weapons. I saw maybe they probably won't go. I think they got two picks in the first round, but uh, both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams are scheduled to be free agents, so possibly one of those guys could go. Actually, I think they got a mid round pick too because I saw a uh mock draft day and they had Bijan going to Detroit. Ooh, and I was gonna cold. say that that you know they wouldn't draft in there and keep those other two guys, but if one of those guys decided to test free agency and go somewhere else, bro, that's John in Detroit would be nasty. Yeah, that'll, that'll redeem. Like if they're able to build, I mean, let's say in a perfect world, they're able to, to build around a Bijan Robinson. Yeah, that'd be nasty, man. 
Because be people, people, weeks ago, people were the comparisons that people were saying. Yeah, glimpses, to, and I'm not gonna say it, but glimpses of Barry Sanders. That's what people were saying about Bijan, and of course, he's talented. But that's all. That's all. I mean. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Let's uh know. let's get into these predictions, fam. Oh yeah, of course, of course, uh, of course. So on Saturday, first matchup on Fox Dane. Mm. Those Seattle Seahawks that got the seventh seed in the NFC taking on those San Francisco 49ers. I'll start this first. Okay. Uh Seattle, obviously a great story this year in football. Um, losing Russell Wilson, or excuse me, trading Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. We've discussed this a lot. Um, getting that capital from my Broncos uh, mm. in exchange for, I don't know who this character is. We got a quarterback now, but hopefully I'm, and we'll talk about this on a later episode, Dane. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about Russell Wilson next year, but we'll get into that on another episode. But yeah. Geno Smith has played tremendous. Obviously, his his best career as a pro, um, pro bowl, not a Pro Bowl alternate, Pro Bowl selection, um, broke the Seattle passing record for most passing yards in a season. So great, great story for them. But they're going against a buzzsaw. Uh, to me, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, top one of the top defense in the NFL. Although they have been giving up points. Lately, for the third time, Dane, great point. Um, can you look up real quick they those lost previous both matchups? Times. Seattle lost, lost both. Seattle lost both Was times. Was it pretty bad? Uh, let's see here. The first, the first outing, which was in week two, was seven to twenty-seven. Seven to twenty-seven. The second outing, <laughs> which was in week fifteen, was twenty-one to thirteen. Okay, do with that yeah. score what you want, but. It's really it's really hard, and I have to pull up the car facts about this one. The to beat a team three the, times, the, yeah, the top, yeah, because it's it's very hard. But for that very reason, Deontay, I'm going with the Seahawks. Man, I was supposed to pick first, bro. You didn't even oh, you was? Oh, just pretend I didn't say nothing. Go ahead, man. Look, <laughs> you didn't even know if they won both matchups. I knew that. Thank you. Me. I appreciate you. That's why you're the best co-host ever, man. Um, I'm going. I'm going with the Niners. Okay. Um, we talked about it early, earlier with Brock Purdy um, and that coaching staff being able to adapt to what he does well and incorporate that into the Shanahan scheme. That running game that they had is is unique. Modern. Using uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Mitchell, um, Debo, uh, Ayuk, um, just the Shanahan way is very creative. And I think what he's done, you know, post injuries to the, those two quarterbacks and having Mr. Relevant back there and not losing a beat is tremendous. I think the defense, although it hasn't been playing the best football of late, I think they'll turn it on, um, here in this game, Dane, and you know, I know you pointed out that it's hard to beat a three a team three times. I'm going with San Francisco. I think it will be close, though. I think if this game was in Seattle, mm-hmm. um, obviously that crowd in Seattle makes a difference. But I got, I got San travel, Francisco though. in this one. Yeah, I got San Francisco. Okay. 
I ain't gonna uh, interrupt the next pick. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, read off the next selection. <laughs> all right. Uh next pick. Um, let me pull my golly. I'm like all off schedule. Okay. The uh Los Angeles Chargers travel to Jacksonville dang to face Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. This game is gonna be on NBC, the nightcap for Saturday. It's only two games on Saturday. Um this is a toss-up for me. Um, Jacksonville's played well. We saw great progress from Trevor Lawrence this year with Doug Peterson coming in as a, as the coach for the uh, taking over after Urban Meyer's dumpster, dumpster fire last season. Chargers in the playoffs. Justin Herbert is incredible, but um, usually Dane, and see if you agree with me on this, usually when I see stuff evenly, like, well, I don't know where to go, I always pick, like, either the best players, like the Hmm. star players from each team, or the coaching staff. Well. (laughs) And coaching staff-wise, I'm going with the guy that won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. I'm going with the coach that has experience in the playoffs. I'm going with a coach that has not made weird decisions during the game as of late. Like, this last game the Chargers had, Brandon Staley, what did he do that was off the wall? Like, he's made some weird... he played. Yes. I mean, he, he really didn't have to play any of the starters, but the Broncos. even after yes. two major injuries, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yes. Um. And then there was another time during the season where he called a timeout. Or last year, just, last year he screwed his team out again to the playoffs because of the the matchup with the Raiders. Yep. Thank you. So he, Thank you. yeah, he, yeah, he, the, the they have they have stars, undoubtedly they have stars. Justin Herbert, uh, Keenan Allen, uh. Eckler, that the offense is insane. Defensive side, Khalil Mack, Joe, uh, Bosa, Derwin James, those guys are incredible. But I just don't trust the coach. That's that's crazy. They that's enough for me. I think they're more, more than, than Jacksonville, mm-hmm. but they're in Jacksonville. Uh, those fans are gonna be crazy. The uh, first mm-hmm. playoff game since that Super Bowl run they made uh, uh, back in twenty. What was that? 18? Oh, 2006? Seven? No, no. At later. 17? Yeah, with Brock, Blake Bortles. Remember they went yeah. to the AFC Championship game against Brady? Yeah, with Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey, Barry yeah. Church. I, I want to say all that was those damn first, or All those damn top 10 picks they had. Yeah. Um, so those those fans are going to be the hype, bro. I got I got the uh, the Jags. Okay. Duval. Yeah. This is, um, this is going to be the face – we got we to gotta get used to seeing this. This might be a, a playoff, a perennial playoff matchup for the next five to ten years just because Justin Herbert, as well as Trevor Lawrence, who my wife, he, she's she's not on social media like that, but she called him uh, she called him Sunshine, just like everybody else called him Sunshine. I mean, he was mm-hmm. winning the Clemson, so I thought that was cool. But she, um, she's like, dang. He fast. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so fast. No, de- deceptive speed. Yeah, he yeah. He got the wheels. Like, and both of them got the wheels. But to your point, yeah, I'm going with the potential coach of the year candidate, uh, Doug Peterson and his squad. They they can't let I me mean, no, they didn't come to Dallas. Dallas went to the, you know, went to their house and got their behinds whooped in, in OT. So I think Trevor Lawrence and, and that squad, they're building something very special. So uh, I'm going with uh, I'm going with the home team on this one as well, Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville. Fred Taylor, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I quit playing with that man. Uh oh, quit playing with Fred Taylor. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame uh, 
because they'll announce the real the the actual selections during Super Bowl week, I believe. Right. Um, so we'll get into that when it get closer. But next matchup, Dane, that Sunday, twelve p.m. Central Time, one p.m. Eastern kickoff, Miami Buffalo, division mm-hmm. rivals. Um, I believe mm-hmm. they split during the year. Um, Dane, you can correct me on that, but I think this. Out of all the playoff matchups, this is the one I'm most confident in picking the right team. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Buffalo. One, there are so many factors here that I think come into play with this matchup. Uh, throwing stats aside is Buffalo riding, Not I don't like to use the word riding in this situation, but like going off the momentum of playing for Perfect. DeMar, right? Every word. Um, Every word. I think it's going to be crazy in Buffalo. I don't even know what the weather looked like. It may be snowing in Buffalo. Um, I just think, you know, despite the flaws that I see with them on defense, I think these guys are, you know, just going to be playing, you know, for something more than them, right? So I got mm-hmm. Buffalo. Miami was without Tua. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, broke his finger or hurt his finger. So I don't even know if he's going to play. I think this is probably the easiest pick for me to make this week. And so I got, I got Buffalo in this one. Okay. Yeah. So they did split Buffalo. Buffalo lost the first outing. And then of course, Buffalo won the most recent outing. When was that first outing? That was like, that was week three, three. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Because Miami started out so hot. They were like three and oh, they were were scary at the very beginning. I mean, they've been very scary, like really good. And then, of course, they had that stretch where it was like, what, five, four or five losses in a row? Yeah, Anyways, that was around most recent, when Tua got those concussions. So. Right. And then the most, recent, the most recent matchup was in week 15. Buffalo Bills ran away with that one. That was a 29 to 32. But I'm going to go with the Bills on this one just because, and this is for my own personal selfish reasons, Tua shouldn't have ever been put in that situation for him to his body to be compromised the way that it was. Again, is the purpose of their head coach and their training staff is to protect the players from themselves. That was not done. They need an early round exit. So I have the Bills taking this one away. That's for my own personal selfish reasons. Uh, nothing to do with anything that we might see on the field or the character or the athleticism that may exist or the scheming that may exist between both the coaches. This is this is personal. Right. Bills. There you go. Feel like we yeah I feel like that was the the easiest pick. Um, next <laughs> one, <laughs> next one is uh, New York Giants going to Minnesota to face the Vikings. Um, Dane, could you look up for me? I, I I'm I really you, struggling. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the Giants play the Vikings this season, and I think the Vikings won really close, and I think it was in Minnesota. Can you check that for me really quick? Absolutely, my boy. Absolutely. Because every time so, I'm clicking on stuff, the, they the played, sound They plays. played in week 16, and the Minnesota Vikings, they won that contest 27-24. to 24. Yeah, it was really close. I thought Very so. Very close game. Um, and let me try to – because I want to I wanna look at the stats of that game. Uh, I got you. Let me see you. Um, let me see you. Thank though. you. Cause like every time I open up a link, it's just like playing sound. 
and I don't want that to play. You don't need that. You need to go to this right here. You get all stats, no fluff, no ads right there. Thank you. Bam. Thank you, sir. Oh, yeah. This is what I need. This is what I need. Okay, yeah. Like they mentioned, Vikings won 27-24. What else I wanted to look at? Yep. Okay. That's right. So, Greg Joseph from the Vikings kicked the game-winning 61-yard field goal to win it. So, the Giants were in that game, you know, obviously the entire game. Until they weren't. Daniel Jones threw for 330 and one touchdown, one sack. Like, this 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 is my pick. I'm going with the Giants. Um because the Vikings won 13 games this season. We've been talking about all these weeks where Kirk Cousins is inconsistent. I think even <laughs> worse than Kirk Cousins being inconsistent is the defense not playing well. Their secondary um or their run, I think their run defense. Let me see. Like in that game with Daniel Jones, Daniel threw for three thirty, um, and you know the Giants don't have you know stud receivers. You know what I'm saying? So I, I got the Giants in this one, bro. Um, I think Saquon Barkley has a big game too. I think they're going to need to have him kind of alleviate that pressure from Daniel Jones. Um, and I think, like you said, I think Dayball does coach of the year type things in this game. I think they win it in Minnesota. Okay. Gotcha. I am going to go with Kirk and them mostly because of Justin Jefferson. Uh, Justin had a rather disappointing close to the season, but that's okay. I think he is the opportunity to redeem himself. The best thing about games like this, like, like this, I wish. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and raindrops would fall. <laughs> would fall. I think this is an opportunity for Justin Jefferson just to show people just truly how talented he is. He is, if not the best, he's at least top three of the best receivers in the league right now. And there isn't a single soul that exists in the New York Giants defense that's capable of slowing him down. Now, I could be completely wrong about this because this is not a primetime game. So Kirk Cousins <laughs> might might shrivel up into the raisin that he tries to play as. So I, I don't know, but I'm gonna go with my gut here. I'm gonna go with the go with the, I'm go with the Vikings. Okay. Shout and out to bro. my boy Mitch Saylick. Yeah, shout out, shout out Mitch. Um next one, Dane, the Sunday night primetime matchup. Baltimore Ravens. Going to Cincinnati again. They just played in week 18, going back to Cincinnati to face off against the Bengals. Um, man, there's a lot of questions in this game. I, well, one big question, obviously, is Lamar, Lamar Jackson's player. health and if he's going to play as of Wednesday when we're recording this episode. Um, he did not practice today. Uh, neither did Tyler Huntley, the backup. And the third stringer uh, is a guy out of Oregon. Uh, undrafted quarterback Anthony Brown that um you know played like an undrafted quarterback unfortunately right um I don't know man I don't think like best case scenario for Baltimore Lamar Jackson comes back after a month and two weeks of not playing return of the um I still think that's tough 
to come back and try to find rhythm in a playoff game um, at Cincinnati where the, you know, obviously the fans are going to be rowdy, but you got to be in tip top shape. Hey, this Physically is MVP. And mentally. Talking about contract year, Lamar Jackson can talk about. I agree. I agree. Like if he if he comes back, I think they got a chance, D. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. I'm a believer. Oh, yeah, I'm. I, I don't know, bro. I I mean, I'm not put it like this. I'm not doubting. I've never doubted the talent of Lamar Jackson. I know he's talented. Mm-hmm. You think he should have been a running back? Yesterday? No, 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 no. Don't 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 do me. Don't do me. I just think, bro, you're out for five, six weeks, and your first game back is a playoff game. I don't, and he's not, he hasn't practiced. He hadn't practiced today. I, I, I may be overthinking it, bro, but I, I, I just don't see how you come in and be efficient enough to win because it's not like the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens and and Bengals play tough. Obviously, hey, AFC North is tough. She just don't have to stretch before they take off running, my boy. So I gotta say, so I'm gonna say about Are you that. You picking the Ravens? Nah, I ain't saying all that. <laughs> what I am saying, that's what I am saying. I'm, is I'm, I'm picking the. We gonna see, we gonna see some heroic stuff. Should okay, Lamar. Okay. Now I'm gonna just cut through it. Does Lamar Jackson play? Gut feeling, he ain't practice today. It's Wednesday, no. and by the time we. This episode's out. We'll know if he practiced on Thursday, but we don't. We don't. Oh, he's not gonna play. But the hope inside of me says that he plays. But I realistically know that he's not gonna play. With him being in a contract year, and with yeah, we've seen the end career careers end for plenty of quarterbacks because they decided to try to come back before injuries, or they tried to put their their livelihood on the line yeah. by gambling on the the dreaded shot before the game and hoping that it would, you know, allow them to do incredible things without, with none, with no kind of repercussion or negative impact long-term wise. We've seen that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the game will be close. I got the Bengals, like, they just play. Bengals got a chip on their shoulder too. Yeah. the The defense for the Ravens, I mean, although they haven't been spectacular, like, you know, like the Ravens defense we know from back in the day, but I mean, they always start. keep their teams in the game, right? They, they, you know, with their third string quarterback last week, they had a chance at the end to win. Um, but I think in this playoff atmosphere, I think with Joe Burrow kind of clicking at the right time with these guys and they trying to prove a point being the third seed um, in the AFC, so many questions surrounding Lamar Jackson. I just think, I think the Bengals win it. Um, did hmm. you pick this one already? Do you think the Bengals are going to win? Man, it? Bengals, man. I, okay. I would love for the fighting Baltimore Lamars to come back, but I can't see it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't want that for him to put that kind of pressure on him to feel like he has to come back in order to save his team. Right. Just because of what he's dealing with, the severity behind what he's dealing with. Right. So that's, that's what um, I and then it's only right, Dane, that we finish the playoff predictions with where we started with this segment um, with your Dallas Cowboys going to face Tampa Bay in the wildcard game, the Monday night wildcard game. How do you feel about, first before we get into it, how do you feel about y'all playing on Monday night? I feel like, set up. of course, it's on Monday night, right? It's a freaking setup. 
Set up for who? For, for even the... if we win, even if we win, we lose. It's a short week. Oh, even, even if we lose, way. we don't win. But hopefully, we have the very opposite end of the spectrum because they traveled all the way to our stadium for us to only kick a field goal and for them to kick yeah. our asses all the way down the field. Granted, they only had one touchdown too, and what four field goals? I think yeah. four or five field goals. So, you know, but that's the thing. They didn't have to. But I tell you this, they they will never hear the, they they will never hear the end of slander from me if they go out there and drop another egg, or in this case a three a three bomb, and that's it. Like Dak Prescott, time to man up, my boy. Yeah. Defense. I mean, I know y'all gonna be out there tired because your quarterback is out there throwing YOLO balls all the time, but Yeah. I think this I is know. a game, Dane, we talked about earlier in the episode uh, about the defense being, I guess, fatigued, so to speak, the pass so to speak. I think this is the game. Uh, I know you don't really like when I predict the Cowboys are going to win, but I think this is a game where um, the that pass rush gets back to where it was midseason. I don't know how. I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I think this is the game uh, for that to happen. Um, we know if you get to Brady, you get in his face. You you know this this is this is literally the Brady downside of Brady's career that we know it. And you know, people say you know, don't count out count out Tom Brady playoff Brady. Obviously, that's all those things are true. But mm. I think if you can still get to him, you can pressure him, get in his face. The running game for Tampa Bay is not really their strength. They depend on the old West Coast short passes. Tom Brady getting you know, the ball out of his us. hands. Anybody um, else does first round of the playoffs every year. Yeah. So you have a 240 on the ground on 18 attempts. <laughs> well, yeah, for, for them, you want to depend on the run game, right, to alleviate the pressure off Brady. And, you know, you, they may give it up. But I, I my prediction, I think, I think the defense will make some plays – to alleviate the pressure from your offense, so to speak. Um, Dak may have one of those mediocre, you know, below average type games. I'm not expecting his normal, his normal stat ex- line. Yeah, I'm not 12 expecting 12 for 28. <laughs> I'm PBR not like 79, 138 yards, two picks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not expecting anything crazy from Dak. Um, I do think I the ball has to <laughs> get into uh, Pollard's hands. Um, I feel like he's one of the better players, and you would know that too on the offense. X, X factor, so to speak. Um, get the ball to him out in space, screens, oh. whatever, or whatever you can to get him in space. Um, Speaking of today, oh yeah, I wasn't gonna today mention. Was, was I wasn't gonna mention that. Dane, today it's been eleven, year, 11 or eight, eight years. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the 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 uh, Des Bryant Des catch. Okay, the Des rule. Oh no, the Des catch. It was a catch. Des catch. The Des catch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I got I got the Cowboys, man. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I got the uh I got the I got for the audience, Dane has decided to mute his mic while making his prediction similar to what he did um with the Ohio State pick in the playoffs. So Dane is currently talking with his mic muted, and this is Deontay Epps. Um, and that's why I'm going with that prediction. All right. There we go. 
those are our predictions, and we will have those posted right before kickoff of the first game. Uh, if you listen to this episode, add us on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, for your predictions and what you see happening in the playoffs. Yeah, we can tell you why you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Dane, um, so these coaches made the playoffs. These teams made the playoffs, but not everyone makes it. And when that happens, there are things that happen on this particular day after the – or the Monday following the last game of the season. They called that Black Monday um, where – there are openings that come up in the NFL for head coaches right. spots um, over the break. My Broncos finally decided to fire Nathaniel Hackett. Um, mm. Two days ago, the Cardinals fired Cliff Kingsbury. The Texans, after Lovey Smith won them the second round pick, or excuse me, the second overall pick in the draft, they fired him. Uh, Frank Reich was fired earlier by the Colts on November 7th. And before that, a month earlier on October 10th, now Nebraska head coach Matt Rule was fired by the Panthers. Um, Dane, if first question, if you are a coach that is possibly being courted for one of these positions out of those five teams, the Cardinals, the Texans, the Broncos, the Colts, and the Panthers, what would be the most attractive team to coach? And it could be for any any reason that you see fit. I'm going with the Panthers. And I'll tell you why. That division is wide open. We have the Saints. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with quarterback. You have the Bucks, which is only we all have to assume that Tom Brady is going to be out at, and at some least point. The, next, the next 15 years at the least. At some point, yeah. Okay, and then the Falcons, I have no idea what the hell they were thinking by trotting out Marcus Mariota like that. Maybe he was a bridge quarterback. I have no idea. But if I'm head coach, there are so many other holes on some other division rivals that that seems the most opportunistic place to go. Not going to Houston. That place is going to set you up for failure and put a huge blemish on your coaching resume. So let alone, I'm a brother. So if I go there, they're going to definitely can me in a year. So that ain't happening. Back to back. Back to back years. Back to back to back. Uh, Broncos is out of the question. Uh, until they get Cookman out of there, I want nothing to do with the organization. Listen, y'all, and y'all, the crazy thing is in the last three or four hiring cycles, y'all had the perfect opportunity to land some of the best coaches in the league. But for whatever reason, Y'all do not move forward with hiring processes with some of these uh, magnificent I will, coaches. I will say this. There's new mm-hmm. ownership. The, the past six or seven years before this past year, uh, the previous owner, uh, he no longer, like, he wasn't in He's his right mind. Pat, listen, Pat, Pat Bolin uh, wasn't in his right mind anymore, so his family took, like, there was a big battle for ownership. Finally got the ownership ownership situation settled and i think that for for me as a broncos fan i do have like on a scale of one to ten i i just want to have i don't care who we get at this point i don't care i just want to win games that's what i'm trying to say but i will say it seems as if this ownership group wants to try its best to snag one of those I won't say hot 
topic coaches, but like someone with proven coaching experience that can come in and demand respect from the players, accountability from the players. So that's all I can ask for as a fan. But mm. I don't I don't care at this point. I'm done with like the like excite not excitement. I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, but just just win. Just win. I, I don't care what we do, who we hire. I just want to win. I would love that. I want D'Amico Ryans, bro. I don't know. From what I hear, he wants to wait another cycle before becoming a head coach. Oh, yeah. So, and whatever team gets him, I, I'll be super jealous because I, I think he's going to be a great head coach. He's going to transform the defense quickly. Yeah, you talk man. about discipline. You want people to respect the head coach, fall in line. That's the dude right there because he's been in those shoes before. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be picking the Panthers. What about you, man? That's a great question. Um, oh, question, go, better I'm question. Gonna... Let me let me not steal your question. What team would you not pick? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the easiest one, bro. Um, the Houston Texans. <laughs> uh, um, for the same reasons you mentioned. Uh, yeah. Back to back, one and done coaches, right? And. What's crazy, Lovey Smith was on the staff of the previous coach, David. Uh, dang, what's his name? I forgot his last name, but he was the defensive coordinator for the previous coach. That coach got mm-hmm. fired, he became the head coach, he, he got fired. So it seems like one of those step. Remember, even last year that they were thinking about hiring Josh McCown, and then everybody went yeah. crazy because he like, was wait, he don't coach. Got no coaching. They probably they tried to pull the gyps out of them, yeah. And I was gonna say that next, so. Yeah, I stay. I'm I'm staying away from Houston. Um, good luck. I mean, fair point though that the defense, specifically the secondary, those guys have have balled out, but they have a lot of holes on the offensive side, specifically the quarterback position. No worries. They got a um, they got a nice little solid first round pick that they can uh, turn things around the offense, and they got two or three really good opportunities to pick a quarterback. So yeah. we'll see the Bears what they with the do. first overall pick. They're not, I mean, oh yeah, go ahead. That's the topic for another day. My bad. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So um I'm sure by the time we're we're back in here recording, there'll be some interviews that some have firings. taken place. Some maybe <laughs> another extra firing or so. Yeah. Um but playoff teams. Dane on Monday was probably my Best time watching a football game. Oh gosh, here you go. The college. You one of those losers that takes pride in watching the team lose because they beat the snot. Well, not even beat the snot out of y'all. Y'all they beat y'all by a field goal or something like that. But you one of those teams. Is this this is what you're about to go into? Because let me stop you here. Hell yeah, it's disgusting, and it's a losing mentality. So you didn't enjoy Michigan losing to TCU. That was different. I was rooting for TCU. (laughs) I wasn't rooting against Michigan. I was rooting for TCU. I was rooting against TCU in the championship game. Anyway, the college football why national the, championship happened on Monday. Mm. 65 to 7. You you y'all, y'all watched it. 65 it was to real, 7. Yeah, I think. 65 <laughs> American points in the biggest on the biggest stage. You gave up 65 points. Dane. A 58-point win, right? It's not the largest 
not only the largest deficit in national title history, mm-hmm. the largest deficit in bowl game history. Of all the bowls that we watched, all the bowls that happened before we were born, nobody, nobody, nobody has lost by 58 points. Isn't that great? Isn't that beautiful? Nah, man. I can tell you this. The viewership probably took a hit. Because the, the whole purpose of these games is to drive viewership, increase revenue. You can't do that if people are not watching the game by the middle of the third quarter. What I want was a good game. What I got was a snooze fest. There's nothing enjoyable, nothing entertaining about what happened on Monday. That being televised should have been illegal in at least five states. <laughs> but what I enjoyed the most about that game on Monday was the potential players that I could see in the Cowboys uniform. I was like, yeah, I could definitely see that guy rushing the passer. Or yeah, I could see that dude jamming the receiver off the line and getting the pick off of the back shoulder fade. Yeah. Although he didn't do anything on offense, I could definitely see him running down the seam, making a one-handed grab, getting lit up by a safety, and still living and tell the story. There's a lot of dogs, no pun intended, on both sides of the ball, whether you're a Georgia Bulldog fan or whether you're a Baylor or SMU fan against TCU. There are plenty of great players to watch. Plenty of great players that showed exactly why they were a repeat or back-to-back Natty champs. Yeah. So it was a very enjoyable game from that standpoint. But in terms of marketing, you just, that just can't be the norm. Every Can you imagine yeah. a game like that taking place well, every single year? I, I, got, I got a question for you, um, which was kind of like a hot topic debate on social media when mm-hmm. this beatdown occurred was when they expand to 12 teams in – after this next football season into 2024, it's going to 12 teams. Do you think we'll see, I won't necessarily say like 58-point blowouts, but will you see, do you think we'll see times like this where we see, you know, like a 30-point loss in a semifinal or a quarterfinal or first-round matchup? Right. We'll get those, those will get, those blowouts will happen in the first rounds. Yeah. Those those will happen. Blowouts are going to happen, but they should not happen on the national championship stage. If anything, it exposed the fraud that a four playoff a fourteen playoff system is. Come on now, we have a thirty two team, yeah, we have a thirty two team FCS playoff system that works perfectly fine. This is not to say that there needs to be a thirty two team playoff at the D one level. Now, this is this is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is. We knew that four teams was not going to work. Mm-hmm. That just wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to work the way the way they set up that way. I don't. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to build up to it, but it's it's dumb. Yeah. Player safety is is a very very real concern of mine, but also compensation for said players is on the forefront, and it's turning out to be a really huge thing in paying off great dividends. Yeah. Blowouts so, are going to happen, but they should not happen on the national championship yeah. level. Because then you have a problem with – people will say that you have a problem with parity. Yeah. But, again, you can't argue parity if there's only a 14 playoff. 
Yeah. And then you get matchups like the Cotton Bowl where your boy Willie Fritz did the damn thing and got those yeah, two man. two lane boys ready and um yeah, you know crazy. they knocked off Heisman Trophy winner, right? So I you know when that comes I think you know people I think we talked about this when the playoff announcement happened, but people always want to go against the grain and against change. And if things are different, there's always, all right, yeah, this is going to happen when that happens. Like, let's just see Mm -hmm. it. Right. I think it's always cool to have, to give more teams the opportunity to play for a title. Um, Like that hasn't stopped. Like I'm thinking about it compared to like the NFL structure. I know all those, seven teams on each side. Now it used to be 12, right? With six on each side. So when you say things like, or what I hear is like games don't matter, like the regular season won't matter as much. I, I don't, I don't agree with that at all because you're still trying to fight for, you know, one of those 12 spots. Just like if it was the NFL playoffs, you're fighting for one of those 12 spots um, to make the postseason. So um, now, yeah, not much to talk about in this championship game besides, you know, the blowout part of it. Um, but to the to the Georgia team as a whole, Dane, they went back to back with uh, Stetson Bennett at quarterback, which I don't think he'll. I mean, you, he's not projected, to, you know, to have like to be a top pick, obviously, but you know, not really be. I think he'll get picked day three, but you know, we don't really see him being as you know he's one of those guy, guys bro. to right, but. Guy. Um, he, he did. He did everything he was supposed to do. Ex- that was it. You, you brought he doesn't it up. elevate. Yes. He doesn't elevate the talent. He doesn't do miraculous things to make you double look. He doesn't have a, a Heisman play. It's just he does everything what he's told TCU to do. You made him look like it. a first rounder, which is right. Insane. Right, and that's more so anything. More so than anything, the talent around him. Like he is the one guy that you look at, and if they if you had a team photo, it was like, what does that guy do? Like, is he? Like the coach's son or something. Like, what's 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 his deal? Why is he there? That's what you see. Like, and it's not. That's just stating what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, it's enough for him to win a back-to-back national championship uh, or be on a team that's a back-to-back national championship winner. So there's nothing negative about it. It's just what, calling calling it what it is. What's what's crazy? Like last year, he got them there, and in the championship game. Uh, they played Bama, and of course, you know, with that rivalry, you know, he struggled, and Georgia's defense made plays, you know, to pull it out. This game, that's exactly what it was, though. The, 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 that defense led right. by multiple first round picks. But this game, I mean, he didn't even get touched. Like yeah. you and I probably could go play quarterback on Monday for Georgia, and hey, don't put me out there out, like that, man. Come out with a bad, I got a bad Achilles, man. <laughs> like that's just like. It's just insane. Like everything went right for them. Every like dominating the line, like on both sides of the ball, like literally the perfect demonstration of size and athletic ability (laughs) and like four and five stars just dominating the game. Not Bennett and it wasn't a five or four star, but just like just straight domination is, you know, the most I could say about that. But, Right. Shout out to Georgia. Shout out to their fans. Back to back national Georgia. championships. Um, and um, one thing I will say before we get out of here, this team is not better than the uh, LSU team from oh, 2019. Yeah, I, I see that conversation sure. that came up on social media. 
That's go not look, even close. I won't say it here, but go look up if y'all listening. Go look up all the stats of that 2019 LSU team. It's not because even close. The wide receiver tandem, the quarterback, the they running back. Records, they knocked off like f- four, like the teams in that preseason top four. They beat them all. They went like 6-0 and against AP top 10 teams or something like that. They set they all the passing records. Yeah, it was – that team was insane. But uh, shout-out to uh, Georgia. Shout-out to college football. Another fun and exciting season. And with that, Dane. What's that sound? <laughs>
reading things that you don't want to read if you don't enjoy spoilers. So be very careful. I'd say about a week and a half leading up to the movie, go ahead and hop off your social medias and just mute a bunch of keywords just so you can protect yourself. But this one is going to be pretty nice because it's it's the ex, it's the exact opposite of what we're accustomed to seeing with a phase buildup. You get your big bad at the very end of the phase instead of the big bad at the very beginning of the phase. So I did not think about that, bro. That's a great oh, point. It, it's it, we're Kang had a lot of screen time in that trailer. And one thing we know about Marvel is they are the kings and queens of misleading the audience with the visuals, the dialogue, and the action and cinematic sequences in those trailers. I have no idea how this is going to go, but how on earth is this team them working together? How's it going to work? How, what is, do you have any running theories, Deontay? Either stuff that you read online or stuff that you, you know, thought of by yourself yeah. on how this is going to work in terms of Look, I'm Scott Lang. I'm working with Kane the Conqueror. Like how, what could you tangibly well, work in your mind? From, from, from what I gather from the trailer, if I'm just looking at the trailer and trying to answer that question, mm-hmm. we saw shots of Ant-Man, Scott Lang, and Cassie when she was a, a little girl. And Kang said, I can give you what you desire most time. And we know that Scott lost a lot of time in Endgame, you know, with the time travel and missing out on his little girl's, you know, growing his little girl growing up. Mm-hmm. My only thing, like, it, 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 it's hard to answer your question because if I'm Scott Lane, why would I want to go back in time? Do I want to see my daughter grow up again and relive? Like, for me, that I, that's the part I'm confused about. But it, it, it's setting it up in a way to where, from, from what I'm gathering, Scott can relive somehow in an alternate reality all the things he missed from his daughter's childhood. To me, it seems like the trailer is setting it up to be, uh, along with Kang, because we see a lot of Kang, but as far as Scott's concerned, that time he missed with um, uh, Cassie. And okay. if I don't know if you remember, Dane, but or if you saw it, Ryan Coogler, when he was asked about what Black Panther 2 was going to be about before... Uh, chat with Bozeman's passing. I don't know. Did you see what he said, or did you hear what he said? Mm-mm. Originally, the script was going to be about how T'Challa lost time with his son. You know, we were introduced mm. to his son in the film towards the end, but the the original script was T'Challa coming back home after Endgame and realizing he has a son and all the time he missed with his son and him trying to cope with that and. Uh, t- you know, catching up on things that he missed. And so mm-hmm. when I think about that and I think about this movie and time being the theme, I, that's why I kind of kind of geared my answer toward, okay, somehow Scott missed out on time in Endgame, right? And he's trying to get that back with Cassie and Kang is offering him time. Mm-hmm. So obviously, or to me, it seems like this is what, the deal is to get time, but what Kang wants from him, you know, obviously there at some point it's going to be a plot twist, you know, the villain going to be seen as the villain 
Um, I don't know what Kang would want him to. It seems like Scott. He wants Scott to go get some. Like what? What? And I'll pass it back to you. I know I'm long winded on this one, but no, thing. the previous two Ant Man films were heist like films, right? Like the first one. Yeah. You know, we were introduced to Scott as a thief. Uh, they do a heist. Uh, I can't really remember off the top of my head what the heist was about, but both movies were about heist and time, or like heist, like being a thief, or you know, doing. You have to go get something, right? Um, and so I think in this movie, Kang is gonna want Scott to be a what he is, a thief, do a heist of some sort. Because there's something that Kane can't get and only Scott can get for him for some kind of reason. So that's why I'm kind of leaning toward this being another heist film in a way. But I also saw that one of the producers for this film said that this movie is going to be on the same level as uh, Civil War in, in, in the fact that it it's a big part of Phase 5, which I think we already knew like how it's going to connect to Kang and the multiverse and things of that nature, but um, I think it's cool though that they start off with this movie because the first two Ant Man films seem like you know they're fun and it's usually after a big Avengers film, mm-hmm. and so to have this one kick it off and have this kind of tone where like oh shit some things are gonna go down, you know. So uh, overall, I, I thought the the trailer was good. I know my answer was long winded. <laughs> you did a few observations during your your speech. Why do you assume that he's referring to or speaking to Scott? You've mentioned a number. Do you not answer these questions? Just, just okay. follow me. You mentioned a number of times that, you know, Scott lost so much time and didn't get to see his daughter grow up. You can't think of anybody else that got trapped in there with him that possibly lost a lot of time. Um, Janet. Janet. Yeah. Janet. So again, in classic Marvel misdirection and red herrings and all the other phrases the dialogue suggests that it's they always cut it in a way to make it seems like Kang and Scott exactly Kang and Scott but we could also be this the possibilities this could be speaking of flash excuse me flashbacks between because Janet was trapped in she was trapped in that mug for a minute too so this could very well be trailer who he was saying he can uh, rewrite realities, shatter timelines. He's mm-hmm. like, she's basically, well, it seems as though in the trailer, she's warning everyone else. Seems. I'll, I'll say an, seems that way. An, another thing on top of that, we know that time runs differently in the quantum realm. So take that information, store that here. Okay. What could possibly be so important that he's asking Scott to help him with that he can't do himself? We noticed in the trailer there were a ton of, I guess for lack of a better word, or confirmation because we none, none of us have seen the movie before, we have a ton of Ant-Man, a ton of Ant-Men, variants, if you will, all banding together to, to look like they're trying to build a, a human link chain to try to get to something. I don't know what it is, but possibly it's something they could ha- help out Kang a lot to the point he knows or that the idea might be that Kang or that Kang knows that Ant Man is such a gentle hearted and very kind, and there's multiple empathetic layers that exist in his body, that his variants would collaborate with one another 
if Kang were to set out to get this item or do whatever the task that he has since got to do, and he has to partner with variants, it might not end the same. Mm -hmm. Because for the most part, we've been exposed to a lot of his variants. They're all, they all have evil intentions and bad intentions. So maybe, just maybe, the whole point of emphasis behind him choosing Scott is because he can't trust himself or his other variants because they are off. They are all essentially out to get each other. They're out for, you know, they're out for the crown. The, the one to take down the head honcho. Like that's what the nature of his being, his entire being is, is being the best or being the conqueror, if you will. Other point. There and there's a lot of points in the trailer where there was a lot of ring-like or golden or reddish circular energy, energetic-like circles. Rings, if you will. We've mentioned before after uh Shang-Chi and the the Ten Ring, the what's it, the Legend of the Ten Rings or whatever it's called. The that Wong at the very end, spoiler alert, at the very end in the post one of the post-credit scenes, Wong is you know, telling Shang-Chi that these rings are, you know, essentially thousands of years old and the energy that derives from the rings, he couldn't trace it. Who's to say that those are rings that maybe came the Conqueror created? And this is, again, remember that the quantum realm, the quantum realm, the, the flow of time is way different than it is in, in reality. And it leads me to my final point. How is it and who is it that has Kang stuck in the quantum realm. We have all this amazing technology that we have witnessed him use in the trailer. Mm -hmm. You can't figure out a way to get back to the real world or wherever your original timeline is you're supposed to be at. Yeah. So maybe he's banished there. I don't know, but the other Kang's variants could have yeah. put him there for you know we we or saw the other Avengers. Could be another group of Avengers right. that put him there too, possibly. Right. But we saw the the season finale of Loki season one where um, uh, He Who Remains, which is the Kang variant, mentioned how, you know, like when they killed him, like there are other variants of me that are worse. Like, you know, and I think maybe this could be one of the variants that got put there by other Kang variants in that battle because he had mentioned like a battle of Kangs, you know, and he could have got banished a there. A right? war, if you will. Right, and he could have got banished there by, you know, his own variant. So, yeah, you, you you bring up some valid questions, especially with how Marvel likes to, you know, throughout the entire MCU with trailer tricks and um, moving the dialogue around to make it seem... Direction. Right. Um, we did see MODOK in the trailer. Yeah. Um, you know who he is, right? It looks like it's uh old boy from Ant Man One, um, mm -hmm. which he Yo, and, oh, I was like, why is he in there? Then I remembered at the end of Ant Man One, he got warped into. We didn't know what it was. He got at all that point. We yeah, we didn't know what he. You know, if you're looking at it for the first time, obviously we haven't been introduced to quantum realm or multiverse or anything like that. You think he? You think he just got zapped yeah, away? But got, it seems it's double into an omelet. That's what right. we thought it was. And it seems like now, but now with the multiverse, it could be that same one. It could be a variant. Like we have variants now. So mm -hmm. it's not clear yet who he is or if that's the same one from Ant-Man 1, but it's the same guy that played, uh, what's that villain's name? 
Yellow jacket. Yellow jacket. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see how Modoc is introduced. It seems like Modoc and Kang are, I won't say working together, but you know that one scene they're all walking together, so they're familiar with one another. Maybe Modoc's working for Kang. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it's definitely exciting to see a trailer. Definitely exciting to be hyped for another MCU project. They made us wait for so damn long. Yeah, and it seems like uh, I think they had mentioned how they're slowing. Like 2022 for MCU, there was a lot of content. Seems like this year they're slowing down the content, which I'm I'm very cool with. Um, definitely prefer quality over quantity. Not to say that the quantity or quality has but um it's cool to get hyped up you know again about another mcu project uh i think after ant-man drops on the 17th i don't even i don't even have the list in front of me but there's another project i know secret invasion is rumored to be coming out in may i'm super excited about that one um but yeah man any other any other thoughts about the the trailer Hmm. Ant-Man got stomped out. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that scene. Out. What that scene remind you of? It reminded me of Thanos giving all of them jokers the beats. You know what it reminded me of? What's that? When Bane whooped Batman and broke his uh, mask. Uh, giving him giving him the, the bars at the same time. The beats broke his back. Darkness is your yeah. When that yeah. mask fell or he crunt, you know, stomped him, uh, that scene with the Ant-Man mask being broken, that oh, reminded me of that like, Batman. Bam, bam, yeah. bam, bam. Yeah. yeah. Boy, boy, put that, that Creed. Uh, put that eight-town stomp in that boy's yeah. helmet. Facts. Uh, but yeah, this this is, a, I, want, I see a lot of people on social media like rooting for Kane, which I mean, it's it, it, Black History Month. Finna uh put the put the beat down looks like on yeah. Scott, but he's about to whoop his ass. The 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 uh film looks like it's gonna be really good, really um strong way to kick off phase five. Um a lot of other projects to be to be uh hyped about for sure. But um yeah man, we are almost two hours into this thing. Uh I think we kinda it's kind of knocked off because we started like 10 minutes in, but um, appreciate y'all for rocking with us with another episode. We are back. Our first episode of 2023. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at D Epps, right? Steps. Um, the podcast, Twitter and social media is at duo SNS podcast. Dane, where can they follow you, bro? can find me on the twitter.com they can find me on the instagram which i don't commonly use but i have one again for the third time i think uh, but <laughs> dane btx uh, it's dane b and tx as in texas superlative for today's episode dwight freeney dwight freeney episode dwight freeney. number 93 number 93 and what what do the youtube people say man Hey, man, don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe, and join, and get all the exclusive content, man. Join the Naughty Game, and they give you a 10-hour video, right? And only five seconds of the video is actually content, and the five seconds is at the very end of the video, so they waste your entire time. But we're not going to do that here. Nope. 
do not go with that. We're gonna give you all the exclusive content from the start of the podcast to the end of the podcast. And we might sprinkle in some crap in there. So sorry, we got to talk about the Broncos and Cowboys a little bit, but we have to do contract obligations. You guys have to deal with it. Our people. Yep, but uh, that is Dane Beasley. I'm Beyond Tibbs. Episode 93. Appreciate y'all for rocking with us. Yeah.